when we think about the step four, principle four moral inventory, it can be a really confusing thing. Why in the world would I want to spend, devote some of my time to go focus on those really hard things that bring up so much pain? Is there even really a point to this? Are we just trying to beat ourselves over the head and, and have contempt for those parts of ourselves? Maybe there is a strategy here, and maybe it's biblical to lean into these hard spaces, not to get stuck there, but to move into this space of healing, to really grieve after those past shattered dreams so that we can walk in that newness of life, knowing that Jesus died to meet us in that place of mourning and grieving so that we can fully experience his incredible comfort. Welcome to Celebrate Recovery Official, a podcast that shares life change stories, courage and hope, leadership, wisdom, all centered around the Beatitudes of Matthew chapter 5 and the Celebrate Recovery principles where Jesus helps us to face our hurts, hangups and habits, to walk in blessedness, in happiness, in spite of our circumstances that we may be facing in our life. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. I struggle with drugs and alcohol and perfectionism. And my name is Rodney. I'm the global field director of Celebrate Recovery. And so, so glad to be here with you today. Thanks as always for all that you're doing to help get the word out, giving us uh, reviews and uh, leaving uh, high ratings on our wherever you listen uh, that's on all kinds of platforms it's also on our YouTube channel so go check that out but thanks for what you're doing to get the word out but hey today uh, a question that, that comes to mind is why do we spend time talking about those things that that grieve us that hurt us uh, why, why do we even spend time doing that isn't it better just to act like nothing happened uh, you know in church capital c church sometimes we we combine this this notion or this narrative that there shouldn't be crying there's no crying as christians kind of a mindset and it sounds silly to say that out loud especially on my end having done this so long but maybe for you it's like well that we don't say that but we do in in so many ways um shouldn't we just be happy and celebrate our recovery to celebrate life as christians um but I, here's what i want to just right out of the gate just tell you that that part of this process is doing exactly what one of the Beatitudes uh, says uh, to um, mourn and to actually find ourselves in a space where we can honor um, we can honor that pain so that we have an opportunity to experience God's uh, comfort and his um, yeah, his, his covering. So Matthew five, four says blessed or happy, which comes from that, that Greek word makarios, which means in spite of our circumstances, we can have happiness, blessedness, uh, blessing. He says, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. There's such value in mourning. It's actually a pretty holy thing as Christians, as believers, mourning the things uh, that have happened in our life to to lean into those, uh, like to say, shattered dreams, 
those things that we thought once were, um, and they are no longer. Um, and we're going to be talking about this um, on a local level, but but just understanding that just the process of on Friday there was a crucifixion, Ugh, death. Saturday is kind of a, a day in limbo. That's where the valleys, that's where the desert, um, that's where the, um, yeah, just the, the wilderness moments um, happen in our life. And the inventory is, is kind of centered around the Saturday of, of the three-day weekend, right? It's a Saturday. We're grieving what happened. But if we can grieve well, it helps us to walk in the fullness of life, that joy and hope on Resurrection Sunday. And so that, that's where we're headed with that, that conversation around the, the principle four, um, which let me just read that principle four to you, where we openly examine and confess my faults to myself, to God, and to someone I trust. And the beatitude with that is Matthew 5, 8, happier the pure in heart, blessed are the pure in heart. Now, sometimes when we look at that, um, principle four, it's, it's very heavy on the list of things that we've done. And that's a part of it. But I think the thing that gets missed a lot in the recovery process is the weight of what has been done to us. In recovery, we say this often that hurt people hurt people. And so it's feeling the weight of what happened to me so that I can make sense of why I hurt others, not to justify it. Let me be clear. We're not trying to make excuses. We have to take responsibility for the hurt that we've done to others. But it's just as much our responsibility, not our fault for what's happened to us, but it does become our responsibility um, so that I don't, as I shared on a, a prior podcast, that what we don't allow Jesus to transform will be transmitted. And so what we're trying to do is to understand our uh, story. And I talked about that on a previous podcast, but we're trying to get into that space to understand the grieving of, of damage. And sometimes that grieving is loss of life and how that affected us, how that damaged us and how we went to some other strategies. Um, and so I think one of the things that I've heard from people, maybe you can relate to this. Um, one of the reasons that people may not do this one is it feels like too much, right? I'm afraid, uh, maybe you can, this resonates with you. I'm afraid if I go into that pain, I'm going to fall in this really, really deep pit and I'm, I'm never coming out. In fact, I may start crying and never stop. Have you ever been there where you just feel like, man, I just don't know I can do that. And sometimes we do that in grief. We, you know, we have these two circles, just we have get over it. As a, one of my colleagues said one time, we can either get over it or we grow through it. And sometimes, sometimes as a strategy to avoid our pain, we try to get over it. Hey, it's been enough time. Just get over it. And we would never say that out loud, but our actions say otherwise. So grieving Maybe it is a loss of a loved one, but it's grieving shattered dreams. It's grieving a relationship that we thought was that is no longer. And so sitting in that Saturday, if we can fully sit in that valley, that desert, that 
that hard place, uh, that wilderness space. Um, Jesus, when he was in the wilderness, was a really hard space. Uh, Jesus on the cross, he he lived this out fully. He was, you know, beaten, spat on, you know, crucified, died, buried, and eventually, three days later, resurrected. And I, I think it's such a great picture for us, a metaphor for us in our own recovery, or you can say the sanctification process, the recovery process of sitting in the Saturday. Our temptation, I think, is to, we, we experience the death on a Friday, and sometimes it's a loss of a loved one. Sometimes it's a death of shattered dreams. And we just say, get me to Sunday now. I want to experience the resurrection. But that's part of the, the process that makes the Resurrection Sunday so beautiful is it says that uh, God can reverse anything. And if he doesn't reverse it, it means that he's with me in it. And part of the process of us going into the Saturday experience is sitting with him in that um, but I just want to kind of acknowledge the elephant in the room that it can be scary because I'm afraid I'm going to get lost and fall in that pit. And what if I'm alone there? Um, if, especially if we come from backgrounds of bringing our pain forward and people dropped us in that space. What if I get vulnerable and I bring my pain forward that needs to be addressed? It's causing havoc in my life. And I bring it forward and yet again, somebody drops me. That fear as I shared on a previous podcast, that Dan Ellender quote, that our fear is not facing the pain, the struggle, the greatest challenge is not facing that pain. It's, it's accepting kindness and compassion from others and from ourselves. That what, what if, and I think this is one of the reasons why we don't, is what if I experience it, but then it never happens again? Or I've never experienced it, and I'm afraid I'm going to feel that kind of pain and rejection and abandonment again. So, but to that point of that sadness, uh, I ran across a quote. Barbara Taylor uh, says this: "Sadness, um, sadness does not uh, keep uh, keep a person um, stuck. It, it's not. It's not what. It's. Um, let me say that again. Sadness is not. Does not sink us. It does not sink a person." It is the energy a person spends trying to avoid sadness that does sink us. And I think the, the, the enemy, I talked about this prior, but how the enemy tries to deceive, tries to take us away from a, a gift, a vehicle of in our suffering to greater connection, deeper connection with God and others. He will try to deceive, to take away what has been given to us. And when Jesus died on the cross, he gave us a gift to have someone to connect with us in our sorrow. The question is, will I come to him? So I just have to kind of be curious about that. What, what are the reasons why I'm not, um, why I'm not bringing my pain forward? Um, you know, there's a, I can't remember, there was an author that was talking about this, but the you know, grief is an interesting thing is we're grieving our shattered dreams, past relationships that are no longer, or maybe physically loved ones that we've lost. Sometimes, you know, the, the emotions are so scary because of that point of wanting to get stuck in that, that deep pit is we're afraid that 
um, if those emotions come in, they're going to, they're going to hurt us. They're going to kill us. They're going to make it worse. But the reality is they're hurting us by keeping them locked out. Imagine your emotions as uh, just a gang banging on your door and you have chains and, and padlocks and everything keeping them out. And you're trying to spend, to that Barbara Taylor uh, quote, you're spending all your energy trying to avoid those emotions, specifically sadness to her quote, but avoiding those emotions we're spending all this energy, and that's ultimately what ends up sinking us, is the avoiding, the energy we spend trying to avoid them. But but what if we took a different narrative and we slowly invited those in to hear what they have to say? And here's the thing I'd tell you, you know, if you're getting into your inventory, don't try to stay there 24-7. Put a clock on it. But go into that part of your story, the damage and the effect. What happened? How did it damage you? Um, how did it, how did it affect you emotionally? How did it affect your mental? And all this is kind of outlined in that inventory process. We're trying to get to the, the pain and we're trying to get to the core beliefs. How did it affect my social, my security, my sexual instincts, all that stuff. I want to understand how that damaged me not to get stuck there, but to own it and, and, and allow Jesus to heal that. Um, as we're leaning into that, we're inviting the damage and the pain, the emotions in and putting them into words. So we put a clock on it and once we, maybe it's five minutes initially, and then go do your regular quiet time and do things that will get your head in the right space, walking, breathing, you know, the stuff that we do, calling a friend, prayer, reading God's word and his truth. But, but, but to honor that is to invite them in. And it's interesting, um, it's really kind of connecting with, uh, they're called imprecatory psalms, or you could call them laments. And let me tell you what a lament is. A lament is expressed sorrow, expressed grief, or or expressed sadness as a result of uh, a death or uh, shattered dreams, as I was talking about. And grief in itself is loss of intimacy with someone that we loved and care with, uh, care about, right? So, or something that I care about, you know, that meant a lot to me. And I thought that was this and it's not, and it's that shattered dream. And so, so we're lamenting. Um, and the, here's the key thing about this is we're pouring out our, our emotions, how it, you know, allowing ourselves to kind of sit in that. How is that landing for my heart? And then ultimately getting to that process, the step five to process and share that with somebody. But, but here's the thing about the lament. Um, it's processing pain honestly. And, and we see that all through the scriptures. Uh, Jeremiah 20, um, we hear Jeremiah's words, cursed be the day I was born. Why did I ever come into this womb? Um, that's a pretty desperate place, but he's being very honest. And that's the thing about lament is it's unedited. Sometimes my own theology gets in the way of organizing and healing the wounds that are happening inside of me. These are, this is from God's word, right? First Kings 19, Elijah is praying 
that he might die. He's in a desperate place. Now, they don't stay there, but they're being very honest. And this is how this is landing for me. Uh, Moses, when he's talking to, uh, to God, he says, put me to death right now. I'm, I'm in a desperate place. So lament is, now it's easy for our theology to come in. Now, hang on, hang on. What does God's word say? And, and we go to the truth. Yes, we want to get there, but there's such value in talking about the damage. How does it make me feel? What is it? What is happening for my heart right now? If I can grieve it honestly, I'm going to get to healing a lot quicker. Again, I don't want to stay there. I don't want to be stuck there. And the fear is if I talk about this, I'm going to get stuck there. But ultimately, this is a big part of the healing process is organizing the pain so that I can move forward. I need to take a super quick break there. I know I'm throwing a lot at you, but and continue this conversation, the value of leaning into that damage and effect in our inventory to grieve those uh, shattered dreams or even lost uh, loved ones in our life to that sadness and grief that can come up that sorrow to organize it feel it and express it so stick with me and i'll continue the conversation when we come right back hey friends i know that sometimes life can not just feel like uh, it's just unbearable it can be very real and i just want you to know that if you're in a place where Uh, you are having serious thoughts of doing any kind of harm to yourself. I just want you to hear loud and clear that you are so loved and you are worth so much more than any harm being done to you. So if you have thoughts of um, doing harm to yourself or hurting yourself uh, or worse, taking your life, please know we take that seriously and we want you to know that we don't want you to face that alone. Please Please make a commitment right now that if you're in that place that you at the very least will call 988 and reach out to some professionals to talk to. If if you're in a desperate place, call 911 and, and get some help. But in those thoughts early on, if you need someone to talk to, reach out to someone and let them into that space. Don't face that alone. Dial 988 if you're in a place where you want to cause harm to yourself. You are so loved and so worth it. And we want you here. You mean too much to this world. Um, And we want you to hear our heart in that. Uh, Don't face this alone. We love you. And we're grateful that we get to walk this journey with you. Welcome back. Uh, Right before the break, just talking about just how uh, important it is to bring the raw uh, to God. What's the raw things that I'm feeling? And Sometimes this is why journaling can be so important to be able to just put into words. Um, this is how I'm feeling right now, Lord. And so I need to put that into words. And so the, the key to that freedom and joy and life in that resurrection Sunday is being honest about the Saturday experience. Um, and so sometimes our temptation is to um, kind of have contempt for that part of our story. Uh, again, we have to be honest about what we're feeling and feel that and organize that, notice that, put it into words and ultimately share that so it doesn't stay stuck in our heart and our body anymore. Um, we're doing this so we don't get stuck there. And you say, well, I, I'm good. I'm just going to keep ignoring it it will ripple over into your other relationships. It probably already has. 
which will need some repair down the road. Um, we, we want, we want to honor that. And what am I feeling to organize that, that pain? So I've used this example before, but I think it's a great illustration to expressing the, the grief and lamenting after the pain. When, when we were in our mother's wombs, we were well-fed, we were uh, nurtured, we were uh, under his protection. And then in this cold, <laughs> bright, hungry way, we were thrust into this, this bright, hungry, cold world, right? Now, what does a baby do when it's gone from that nurtured, warm, protected womb into this cold, bright, hungry world? The natural expression, the mechanism that God instilled in us is to cry out. In fact, if, if we are not crying out in our pain, can you imagine a baby crying and saying, you know, you just need to just not cry. You, you need to be celebrating. At least you're living. <laughs> you know, at least, at least, you know, you don't have this or, and we start kind of, that would never work, would it? No, our bodies, our nervous system is designed to put into words, to feel it and to put it into words. That's why blessed are those who mourn. So if a baby puts, God put this mechanism in us to communicate our pain through the crying, and we see all these uh, scripture references that remind us that that this is how Jonah and Jonah 4 take my life. It would be better for me to die than to live, right? He's just expressing pain and just thinking about these people that come out on the other side because they were honest about their pain. If a baby's not crying when it comes out of the mother's womb, they're terrified. Something's gone terribly wrong. Um, and now they're in kind of panic mode. And so we need to feel it. Um, we need to be able to just sit in that space that God is with us in that. This is why he died. What a gift that he wants us to express our pain. And that's why we see in, in the Psalms, uh, lamentations, uh, we see, we see, we see this reminder that, um, this is a very healthy thing for us to do so that we can find healing um, all through the Psalms, my soul is in anguish. Why do you hide yourself from me? How long, O oh Lord? My, uh, my eyes are, are failing, looking for the promise, right? It's just expressing with honesty. I feel this. And sometimes it's, I feel so much anger, Lord. And, and emotions are tricky, right? We, we kind of have controversy around that, that, that it kind of, bumps into our faith sometimes. You know, don't listen to your emotions. They'll fail you every time. I think our emotions are actually revealing um, what we're believing. And so we need to organize that pain so that we can ultimately get to his truth. But if I, if I start that back to that newborn baby, if I just try to correct that baby from expressing pain that they should be experiencing, man, you're, you're telling them not to be human. And so what we're trying to do is normalize a very um, natural way that God put in us to express our pain. Um, and here's the thing. Can we look at that as a beautiful part of us as we look um, at people like Job and the Psalms and Lamentations that 
the, the God's word is giving us permission to feel and express our pain. Why? So that we cannot get stuck there. And there's such an incredible gift of speaking out the pain specifically. What was the damage specifically? How did that affect? How do I make sense of that space specifically? And that that's the value of being able to pray that out loud with between us and God and even with other people is to put that into words. The whole point of leaning into the inventory process is to acknowledge what is true. That word confess, when we're looking at that confess, uh, confess our, our wrongs. Again, sometimes we look at, we look at the uh, uh, principle four and we openly examine and confess my faults to someone, to God and to someone else. Sometimes the faults are faults done to us. Uh, what were the wrongs? What are the, uh, 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 the hard, atrocious things, the tragedies, the pain, the sorrow? When life got flipped upside down, that's the things I want to confess. And that word confess in the original language in the Bible just says to say the same thing. Just acknowledging what is true. God knows what is true in, in your upside down tragedy in your life. And he just wants you to um, put it into words. It's interesting looking at Job. You know, Job is one of those stories that we tend to go to for suffering. <laughs> he, the guy went through a lot, and I don't want to ever go through that kind of suffering. But he's, you know, he's lost all his possessions. He's lost his kids. He's his health is bad, and after all that, as he's allowing it to sit with him, the Scripture says, I think it's in Job chapter three. Job opened his mouth. When we open our mouth and we get raw and real about, I think it actually says that he cursed the day of his birth. And ultimately, what? and here's the thing I don't want you to miss, is we can get honest about the pain that's happened to us and how it affected us, how it damaged our social security, sexual instincts, and ultimately own our part and what we did with that. That's a part of it. But in this process of the the grieving process of shattered dreams and even grieving loss of loved ones can be a part of that. We're getting honest with that. It actually deepens our faith. It's not saying that, that I don't have faith. It's actually taking a lot more faith and trust to, to lean into that and not push it down under my own power. That that's playing God. Now we're right back with principle one, right? It's, and I shared this on a prior podcast. Every time we share our story, our story changes. And we're trying to get honest and organize that pain so that it doesn't, uh, it doesn't sit in our body. I want to read this uh, uh, Isaiah 61 because I think it really speaks to God's design for us to fully grieve and mourn, shatter dreams, lost of loved ones, etc. Um the spirit of the Lord, this is Isaiah 61, the verse one, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, broken heart. Don't miss these words to proclaim freedom for the captives. Some of us are in captivity and the damage and the effect from the the grief and the wounds that we've, you know, upside down world that we've been living in. I proclaim freedom for the captives and release the darkness for the prisoners. 
Gosh, the language of this, guys, just take this in as you think about the damage and the effect in your story. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. When I read this, don't, don't miss this before it gets to uh, talking about beauty instead of ashes, joy instead of mourning praise instead of despair. It's actually creating space for the mourning and the grieving. And that's part of what we do as we sit. Um, as we talked about sitting with people in the pain we're actually sitting with them to allow them to mourn. The worst thing we can do is say, hey, you should just be happy, man. Move on. For, get over this. Now, mourning is allowing an opportunity for deeper connection with God and other people that might be you with another person so that we can deepen that connection as we allow them to mourn. Blessed are the mourn, for they shall be comforted. As people grieve, we're helping them put it into words to organize it and to be a safe person to catch them in that space and with your eyes be able to be caught in that space where you're not facing that pain on your own anymore. Guys, the grieving process of shattered dreams or maybe it's a loss of life, just hear this clearly. Give, Show yourself kindness in this space. Give yourself permission to grieve um, I love what Andrew Bowman says that grief always exposes who we really are. It just comes forward and we need to honor that. We need to sit with that and, and know that this is God's design for you. And it's not intended to be faced alone. Grief is better when it's shared in community. And that's the beautiful thing about, um, celebrate recovery through the small groups, through the step study, through the, um, open share groups through the uh, sponsor accountability team. We get to rejoice with those who rejoice. It's so cool to celebrate those milestones, but don't forget a big part of the recovery process is weeping with those who weep. If you're in a season of grieving, know that you, you can't face this alone and the stuff that's coming forward. Remember a lament is actually sharing that raw, unedited stuff before your theology comes into play. Um, if you read some of these things that some of these guys, that Job and Jeremiah and, and Elijah and Rebecca and in Genesis 27, Moses, all those things you can make an argument, well, that doesn't line up with theology. They're giving us a great, David did the same thing in the Psalms, right? We're seeing a great picture of the value of unedited grieving and express sorrow, sadness, grief, to allow ourselves to feel that without shame, not having contempt for what's coming forward, and then to express that so that we can get to the theology. And those imprecatory Psalms, we always see David's kind of, my bones are wasting away. And every one of those Psalms end with, but I will exalt your name, Father. I will praise you. But we got to feel it first so that we can get to a space where we can take in these new truths in our pain. And that's the value of principle four, the inventory process. It allows us to feel it, to organize it, to share it. 
honestly with someone else to confess not just the things that have been done to say the same thing. God knows what is true. He just wants us to admit it, to acknowledge it and take action. And the take action is to put it down on paper, not to shame ourselves, but to show ourselves kindness and compassion so that we can then take it to him and to another trusted brother or sister in Christ to ultimately bring healing, not to get stuck uh, but to honor that that pain and the good reasons why we may be expressing our pain because we just came out of a very warm, nurtured, safe environment, and now we're in a bright, cold, hungry scenario. And the very natural part of how God created us is to put that into words. And when we do that, don't miss this, it leads to life. Just like that little baby, a little baby that is screaming because of the pain that they're feeling leads to life. And when we can get honest and organize that pain through the inventory process, it leads to life. And ultimately, when we're able to share it with someone and not be judged and loved and and move us to different choices because we're connecting with the Father, that life is something worth celebrating. But we can't experience the resurrection if we don't sit in the wilderness, the the desert, um, the valley experiences in our life, and it makes the celebrating that much sweeter. And um, that's why we celebrate our recovery. So I hope this has been helpful for you. It, it seems like a ridiculous thing to do. Why would I want to lean into this space? But when we know that, that Jesus is the one that comforts to us, to help us understand, to lean into our story and fully grieve and mourn, knowing he is the one that's going to bring comfort, it makes it all worth it. It's hard. Yes, it's difficult. It can be scary, but it is so, so worth it. And this is why we can celebrate our recovery, because we, we fully, we weep with those who weep, we rejoice with those who rejoice, and through it all, we can celebrate our recovery. Hey, thanks so much for being with me today. I hope that you'll join me next time. Until then, God bless you.